Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Notagro Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ivan Khan, and I'll be breaking down topics around education, growth, and culture with the intention to help your own growth journeys. For those not familiar with our hosting organization, Constitutorial, I serve as a CEO, and we serve kids, K-12, through in supplemental education centers throughout New York City. One of the unique privileges of my work is the opportunity to really know the various communities that our team serves and discover the various challenges the students face within themselves, their families, and overall community systems. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. Someone that I've known for at least 20 or 25 years. Someone that I've worked very closely with, both as a classroom teacher, a colleague, a mentor, friend, and brother. So I know this person is very, very familiar to you all. Um, but I'll tell you a little bit about his track record and his bio. After graduating from Stuyvesant High School, our guest uh, finished up at Hunter College and wanted to do his MBA and joined the faculty at Baruch. And after serving as the vice president at Constitutorial, he's most recently joined an incredible consulting organization. So please give a warm cons welcome to our brother, Moho. Over the wires. Hello, guys. Hey, Moho. Hi. How you feeling, baby? Great. Very excited to be here. Very excited to talk to all of you. Uh, very excited to talk to Ivan and be a part of this podcast. You know, you're my first uh, interview for 2020, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Very excited. We haven't uh, taped since maybe like December. We were working on a lot of culture stuff here. Making sure everyone had a good final season, have a good holiday party, enjoy that? Yeah, the holiday party was great. How was a lot of fun. You liked it? Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. How um, long was your uh, trip here today? Um, five minutes, seven minutes. Not too bad. It was really close. I grew up in the neighborhood, so you know, this place is really close to home. Literally. So thank you for joining us. Let's right. jump, I'll jump into the first question. A lot of us a lot of us are excited to hear from you. So I gotta ask, how did you spend your holidays in New Year? Um, family. So uh, I've been really busy with work since I joined like three months ago. Um, I had a very low-key, you know, chill time with my family. We were all at my house, watched the ball drop, watched a few um, Avengers movies with the kids. We had like a whole marathon. So it was very nice. It was nice to just take a step back and relax for once. Were you guys at your place or yeah. 3H or yeah, had yeah, everyone yeah. came over your place? Yeah, yeah, everyone came. My mom wanted to cook for everyone, so she invited everyone over. You know how it is. What time did the last uh, guest finally leave, or were there mass sleepovers and stuff? Five, six a.m. I don't even remember. Yeah, we were five, watching. Five, six a.m. Yeah, yeah. We were watching Avengers. We watched what three movies? I think. So that's that's a lot, like two, three hour movies each. So yeah, the kids loved it. So, yeah, yeah, you can join us. You can, we can have our our little conversation here with the headphones on. Uh, cool. You can hear it. You can hear the feedback and stuff. So you grew up here. Yep. Suffin, Jamaica. Yep. Tell us about your childhood, any key moments. We've got a lot of queens heads here. Any queens heads here? Raise your hands, make some noise, make some noise for queens. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, yeah, so as Ivan mentioned, I grew up in Queens. I grew up in Sutton Boulevard right over here, literally across the street my entire life. Um, born in Bangladesh, raised in New York, raised in Jamaica, Queens. I represent Queens really hard. If you go to my Twitter, you'll see it literally says Queens got the money. Um, so uh, it's it's part of who I am, you know, it's, it's my upbringing. 
um, a lot of the values that I hold really near and dear to myself, which include family, uh, which include my friends, which include just academics, you know, growth in general. Um, it's because of the way I was raised, where I was raised, how I was raised. Um, and, you know, when you just say key moments, I have I got to think about this. I have a few key moments. Um, so, like I said, I literally grew up across the street. Um, we were a very close knit family. All my immediate family members live with me. All my extended family members live with me. At one point, we had like three, four families living in one apartment. Um, that was one of the definitely defining moments of my life because when you would go to school and people would ask, like, you know, you know, tell me about your family. Teachers would ask, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I have this uncle, I have that uncle, I have this on, I have that on, I have like five different cousins, and it's like 10, 12 different people living under one roof. They're like, wait, do you guys live together? You live around each other? Do you have a house? No, we live in an apartment, you know, in Jamaica. Um, and that was like one of the first like big shocks that I've ever received from a teacher. Um, and uh, that kind of like, I didn't think, I thought that was the norm, right? Because all my, all the families around me, we lived in a very close-knit building as well. And a lot See, of I only know that the teachers weren't aware no. of, of the startup yeah. culture. Yeah. What did that feel like when the teacher was like, what? Um, it was it was a shock. I didn't expect that because for me, it was the norm. My neighbors, same thing. Ten people in one apartment. You know, we go upstairs. We have other family members. You know, we have other like, you know, Bengali cousins and people that we've met um, over time who it's the same situation. So that was the norm. Is I never mid 90s. Yeah. Mid 90s or early to mid 90s. Yeah. And that was the norm. And so when I heard that, I was really shocked and I actually spoke to my mom about that. And then I was like, hey, like, is this weird? Like, are we weird? Like, you know, what are we doing here? Is this, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Um, but, you know, reflecting on that now, that's one of the reasons why, like, family is like very important to me. Right. Because we all grew up together. We all supported each other. And family is always there for you when no one else is. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the I guess one of the key defining moments from my childhood. Um, tying back to family to like when I got into Stuyvesant. Right. Um, for my middle school, I went to 217. I don't know if any of you are from Jamaica. 217 anywhere here? Anywhere? Um, yeah, big ups. Um, big last training. Yeah, last training yeah. session we had a few from 217. Um, so we had, you know, 217 is a school in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, not it didn't used to be a great school before now I hear that it's a green magnet school which is amazing um, when you made I, that happen though. Yeah. you guys made that happen um, so you know going there very you know bad school lots of fights lots of people getting suspended a lot of, a lot of things happening there um, getting into Sai was like another major like pivotal moment in my life because I worked really hard you know I went to concentrial <coughs> Dr. Khan was my teacher um, and so I, I got to ask you a little bit about it. I want to set the context up yeah. before you go into here. You and I first met in about 2003, 2004, and yeah. my dad was diagnosed in 2002. So my family was going through real like life trauma, health trauma. And you joined the class in 03, 04, when Mrs. Khan had to take over the organization as we allowed Dr. Khan to recover. Yeah. Clearly that became my favorite job in the history of cons, being your SHSAT teacher, and then later holding on to the VP role, which you got to enjoy also. So please tell us a little bit about our first meeting and your first experiences with our family here. And, and I'll show you, uh, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you a little bit what I remember about you in the classroom. Okay, cool. So yeah, um, Dr. Khan was my teacher. Dr. Khan Sr., late Dr. Khan, was my first teacher when I was in the Sai High class. Um, he got sick. We didn't really know what was going on as students of the class. Um, but then, you know, Dr. Ivan Khan came. There's a few other instructors that joined us. And it was, um, no one really understood the full scale, like in terms of like the students, we didn't really understand what was going on. Um, but we were kind of happy to have, you know, 
a continuous education for like it, it didn't seem like there was any gap in our learning right so like dr ivan khan teaches exactly like dr munster khan right which is something that you learn right um just by watching you know obviously dr khan you were dr khan's first student right so it yes, is, was yeah so it's it's inherent in you to be able to teach like him right so i'm bringing that up right now because that's going to be a very important part of like what i talk about later on um but so what i remember was coming in there was no gap and we were just ready to work we were just ready to go it didn't seem like there was a, anything major going on so we didn't really think of it as much maybe dr khan got sick he went to the hospital that was that was it right um while he's gone dr ivan khan's kind of taking over mrs khan you know being the boss that she is she's running the show she's making sure that we get what we need she's communicating with our parents like my mom had a whole clique of aunties that she was always with mrs khan was there they would always you know go out like during break time they had more fun in the classes than we did sometimes hell yeah right? man yeah. yeah yeah aunties uh, the auntie group i really really have so many positive memories about that experience clearly it was a trying time in my life with my dad fighting so badly and my monday through friday kind of sucked i was at sophie davis and I was in this medical program that was really, really rigorous, and I, and it was there was a lot of trauma and anxiety, and I was probably depressed too. But cons was like my escape. Yep. Like getting to teach your class was like the shit that I looked forward to all week. I had the class rosters of you, Sammy, Niloy, Momita, yeah. Ahmed, who founder for uh, Millennials for Bernie. Yep. So we had all these like stars in the class, and I could like see you kids like, oh my god, y'all are so special. So what are some of the aspects of the program that I that you remember being a student of that yeah. you had to lead later on the board uh, and tell us about some of the things that we do in the special test program now yeah. that started with that time I had yeah. to take over for my dad. Yeah, I mean, the number one thing that I'll never forget, the boy, girl, boy, girl, right? We, we, still, we still do that. Session? Yeah, yeah, I still remember that. We still we still do that to this day. It's very effective. You know, like we've been doing it for what, like 15, 20 years now. So. Clearly, it's been effective. You know, our, our success has been increasing over time. Um, being able to put everything on the board, writing it out on the board is something that, I guess, it's it's, a, it's an easier way to learn. Because I did test prep before cons, and what we would do is somebody would just sit next to you, and they would write on the write on the actual paper, and it wasn't really, like, you weren't really getting much out of it. They were just kind of doing it, and you were just listening to them. But when you're up on the board, Dr. Khan had a lot of strategies, you know, um, putting them all out, like writing it out, forcing us to write it in our notebooks, that was very, very key because now we always had that. If some dude is teaching me and they randomly just write down, like, this is the way you saw it. Are you talking about me or my dad? I'm talking about you and your dad. Ivan and Dr. Khan, both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just writing it down and be like, hey, write this down because this is going to come, this is going to become very important in the future. On a big wide piece of blank yeah. paper. Every yeah. time there's a new sheet. Yeah, there's a new always. sheet. I was like, why are you wasting so much paper, dad? Yeah. But so, it helps, right? Like that, that's the thing. It helps a lot. Every single week, I'd set you guys off with work. I'd have my cup of tea or coffee. I'd probably wear it rocking my earrings and Jordans back then in the classroom. And all the moms would swarm me and be like, let's get out of first. Who is the first one today? Yeah. And it was like, auntie, no, no, no. We're not talking about the best. We're talking about like the biggest improvements. Yeah. Fine. Let's go for out of these 15, 18 kids. We'll go for a top three. Tell us a little about that top three and how many times you made that list. Um, I would make it pretty often um it would be me niloy would make it a lot too um sammy, sammy would make it a lot too yeah Shumon all of Kazi. Like the, yeah Shumon Kazi. dr Shumon Kazi now yeah. it's it's amazing to see what everyone's doing now like i think Tell that me. entire class was like super successful um we all still stay in touch through facebook and you know obviously we don't see each other as much but um everyone's doing amazing things a lot of doctors have some engineers 
uh, Momita, she's, you know, doing some amazing Momita things. Momita, man, shout out, shout out. She's doing some amazing things out there. Um, and, you know, I, we would we would continuously fight for it because it's it's it was never like, okay, it's just going to be these three people all the time. Right? We wanted to top them. We wanted to top ourselves. We were always continuously competing against each other. And Ivan knew that. So he would actually edge us on even more. Right? So that was, I mean, that, that kept us moving. That kept pushing us forward. The way I did it, did it ever make you personally feel bad? No. Not really. Um, how, just, how did I do that? How did I succeed in doing that without making you feel bad about yourself and your own growth? I mean... You were, I mean, you were very transparent. Um, you would always, like, tell it how it is, right? Like, that's the most important thing, just tell, uh, saying it how it is. And the push wasn't like, hey, you're doing bad. It's like, hey, this kid is doing better than you. Like, what are you going to do to make up for Kind of like putting the chip on my shoulder. And it's like, he's doing better than you. What are you going to do now? That and your move. Especially because you were top three last week. It yeah. wasn't like I'm yeah. taking on like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, like the kid in the middle of the class yeah, and comparing yeah. them. It's like I'm, I'm taking the two, three, four, yeah. five and getting them yeah. into that force. Exactly. By the time you were in high school, you started working with us on our team mm -hmm. as an instructor, first starting off at my parents' house, mm -hmm. which was in my dad's basement. And eventually you became an SHSAT teacher at Ozone Park. Yep. Shout out to Ozone Park. And over time, you became the director at Astoria. How would you compare the culture shifts from one stop to the next? You went from a basement environment to a classroom environment to the front desk, probably all in less than nine months. Yeah. So how was the culture transitions for you? Um, I mean, it was a bit of a challenge. When I was working at Dr. Khan's house initially, that was just, it was really chill. I would just go after work and we would just sit around. We would, I would do regents work. I would do SAT work. It's kind of like flex, like whatever, you know, I, whatever the need is for that day. There wasn't much structure to it, right? Which is what I really, really enjoyed. I enjoyed the flexibility to be like, okay, you know what? I want to teach sci-high today. So let me go teach sci-high. Oh, you have trouble with scramble paragraphs? I'll go, I'll go help you with that. Um, shifting from that into Ozone Park, I had responsibility. That was like one of the biggest things. Um, the culture in Ozone Park, you know, I got a chance to work with Revu and you know, that was like, what was the foundation of the kids in Floral Park the, versus Ozone Park? Oh, tell us a little. Was, tell us. Tell the audience yeah. a little about the variance right. in school district proficiency levels that you were suddenly like, oh, this yeah. is like two seventeen R. Yeah, no, it exactly was. Um, Floral Park. There was a drastic, drastic difference between Floral Park and Ozone Park. Um, the just like the pure academic levels of the students, Floral Park, they were way higher. Right, everyone. They were proficient in English. They knew vocabulary words I didn't even know, right? These like eighth graders, ninth graders. Um, their math proficiency was great. Their just motivation, like they want to do well. They're there to learn. They're there because they want to improve themselves. And they know that going into, you know, tutoring academies, you learn more and, you know, you do well in your exams and that's the pathway for life, right? So the community resources gave them a, a greater yeah. sense of self-belief? Yeah, definitely. What was that like in Ozone Park when it you went out there? It was very different. In Ozone Park, it was the kids are there. Their mentality was the kids are there because they're forced to be there. Their parents are wasting their money over here. Um, a lot of the kids were very like, they, they had like, what's the word? They were, um, there was animosity towards education and they're just like, I don't want to be here. I don't need to do this right now. Remember your student who ended up at Stye and he was like always getting into trouble. Yeah. We know his name. We're not going to yeah, say, say We're not going to say his name, but yeah. we had a lot of kids who were products of like rough 
environments, a lot of violence in their neighborhoods. Yeah. And we started noticing there was, it was suddenly, they were bringing that emotional baggage into our classrooms. Yep. However, they ended up getting offers and yeah. let's die and hopefully it worked out. Yeah. I mean, that comes from just being able to relate to the students and just like talk to them like, hey, you know, I was kind of in that situation as well growing up in Jamaica. So it was it was easy. It was easy to relate more with the students with, from Ozone Park. And they see that, you know, I'm what, five, six years older than them, I'm mm. five, six years into the future. Right. So Revo and I and Dr. Khan, Dr. I, Ivan Khan as well, we use that to our advantage to talk to the kids to kind of gain an understanding of, you know, letting them know that we feel you. We understand where you're coming from. Right. But these are the steps you need to take. And we would outline very specific steps for them. That kid even got into style. Like he, that was that was probably. And then his mom, his mom was like, uh, "Oh my god!" Yeah. You know, she was so proud. So yeah. we knew that there was a vacancy and opportunity coming up in Astoria. Look over your right shoulder, Habibi. Oh, nice. Tell us about your experience at Astoria in like a quick New York minute, yeah. and uh, we'll go to the final question for this uh, first segment. Uh, well, Astoria was the first time I was managing people. Uh, as a science instructor, you just managed kids, and you're you're kind of on your own. You're very independent. Uh, but the interdependency between the team, you have to like build the team. You have to make sure that everyone understands what the goals are, the visions are for for our you know small close knit team. Um, so that was a very big change for me because I never led anyone in the past before. Um, but we were able to work together. I had a lot of amazing teammates. Um, and Paulina. Paulina, shout outs, Reeves, everybody. Niloy was Ryan Nafi was my intern. Like, but yeah, just being able to work together, collaborate, have one unified vision and just work towards that. Like that, that was, that was the big change. Um, yeah. Personally speaking, I've never had an easier experience working with a front desk leader than I had with you. Thank you. I think the training that you were trained by your predecessor for the seat. However, you took that training and leveraged it to start beating out the top performers in the company in Noreen and Rahat. And yeah. suddenly you were right there with the right there with them and now we went to Noreen's wedding and she's a physician yeah. now and Rahat's out in San Francisco how would you uh you know for the final culture segment a little tidbit or a quick New York minute on the cultural experience that's Stye versus Hunter versus your MBA um so Stye was the hardest um everyone was super cutthroat at Stye right um the help was there from the admin but in terms of just like like I had a close knit group of friends that we would always like work together. But beyond that, there was like 800 kids in a class. Right. So it was super competitive. The culture was very you're independent. You're working by yourself, trying to like make something of yourself. Um, Hunter was a little bit. Well, Hunter was a lot easier, honestly, um, than than Stye. Um, I was a bio major at Hunter, so I did I took I did pre-med. Um, later on, obviously, I realized I didn't want to do pre-med, but, you know, I got through it. I did what I had to do. Um, everyone was super supportive. Everyone at Hunter, in terms of the culture itself, very different because everyone's doing their own thing, but it's like, I'm not competing against you directly unless I'm applying for med school or something like that. But even then we were working together to be like, all right, the 10 of us have to get into med school together. The 10 of us have to achieve this goal. We're going to all get A's in this class. Right. And then the MBA was, I think probably the easiest thing that I had to do because I really, really enjoyed the coursework. Um, 
I did a lot of strategy and I did a lot of management, which I felt was kind of like inherent for me. And it was a lot of common sense stuff that, you know, I have done, I've been working on and actually able to contribute to the class a lot more. So I was super confident in my abilities there. So I kind of like, like that was, that was probably the easiest experience. Thank you so much for sharing so much during the education section. Time for our first break before we head to the growth section. All right, welcome back to the Note to Grow podcast, Workplace Culture with Moho. We, we are back for the growth section. Thank you so much. It's been a lively conversation so far. You were talking about your experiences during, during college at Hunter. And even though you're a bio major and you talked about getting into med school, I'm going to pat myself on the back for this. In my heart, Moho, I saw you more as an analytics or a business mind. When did you realize that about yourself? Um, I would say if I had to give one straight answer, it'd be when I was the director of Astoria. Um, I was always good at math and I was always super analytical. Like I'm one of those people where I trust data more than I trust my own intuition often. Um, and yeah, when I became the director of Astoria, I there were a lot of things that I learned throughout all my roles at cons and just being able to work with different individuals. But I was able to kind of see a vision and it's like, all right, if I do this, I can make this better. If I do that, I can make this better. If I put these two people working together, I can make this better, right? If we shift things around, um, this would work better, right? So what, be more did, efficient. what did that growth do for your confidence? And when did you start like kind of accepting, yeah. oh snap, I gotta go tell my mom and dad, I'm not yeah. doing pre-med. I'm about to chase this business stuff because I love it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was during that time. So we did a lot of things. We tried a lot of things at Astoria. The team was like the key, right? So we were able to build that team and we did things that weren't done before at Astoria. And we were able to compete with the powerhouses of Constitutorial, right? Uh, the Rahats and the Nareens and the Sammies and all like all these bigger branches that were way bigger than, than Astoria Or just was. established a lot earlier yeah. with a lot deeper roots in the community than yeah. Astoria, yeah. which was like new. Yeah, it was very new. Um, so... Just being able to take that and like reap the benefits of it. Like, okay, we tried this and it worked. Like that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and it was like when I was in, when I was at Hunter, when I was doing my bio degree and doing pre-med, I went, I did research. I worked at a lab. I did everything I could possibly do to kind of, you know, make my application the best application possible. So I have no regrets there, right? Like I tried my best, but I realized that, okay, I had to work this hard, like, it was very different from what I'm doing now. It's like, it's, it's natural to me, right? I'm talking to people, I'm communicating with individuals and we're making things happen. And it's a lot easier, it's more fun. That's kind of when I decided, you know, I'm gonna go talk to my parents, let my parents know. Obviously they were upset because Ki? everyone has to be a doctor, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what it was. Um, they were they were upset like right off the bat, but then they realized that, hey, you know, whatever you wanna do, like as long as you're happy doing it, like that's all that matters at the end of the day, right? It was it, it took a little bit of convincing, but luckily my parents are cool enough to like, you know, it's supportive enough to just take whatever aspirations that I have and make it their own. When you had your self-actualization of like, oh snap, this is my calling, business, analytics, all of this information and representing it and using it, what did that start doing for your teammates that you were leading once it became clear for you that I'm not 
going through a clinical route. I'm going through business. And when you had your own confidence set in, what did that do for your team? Um, I'm definitely boosted their confidence as well. Um, I keep going back to like my team in Astoria. Like that's the first time where like I had a team, I had different individuals. We weren't that close at first, but then by the end of it, we ended up becoming like family, right? So everyone there worked really closely together. We had one unified vision. Obviously you want to help our students as much as possible, but then we had little goals within that, right? Financial goals. We had enrollment targets and we would compete with one another. It was just the confidence, like coming from, I guess, the leader of, of the of the team at that time, kind of like shifted into the rest of the team and everyone was at their best at that point. How did you decide to pursue your MBA later? And what are some key moments when you had both feet in the pool? I'm doing this. I'm an MBA student. What were some key moments there? And you carry that into becoming a faculty member. So if you want to tell us a little bit about that journey and yep. the cultural significances throughout that. Yeah. So um, academics have always been very important to me. Um, going back to before Jamaica coming out of all this, you know, it's, it's like a common story for a lot of immigrants. Um, academia and just being able to educate yourself about what the world is, what, you know, what, what the world is all about is kind of your ticket out, right? So because of that, I loved working at Constitutor. I started here as an instructor because I wanted to give back. I wanted to, you know, inspire people. I wanted to let everyone know that hey, academ academics, academia is the way out, right? And it's it's hard, especially with like the Ozone Park kids. But like we were able to do it there, right? We got so many kids to kind of flip on this. I hate academics. I hate going to school. To being like, yo, I got into Stai, right? That's an amazing feeling. Or Brooklyn Tech. Or, or Brooklyn Tech. Yeah. Or yeah. York, any, any you're not choosing yeah. the wrong sign, that's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. way too far. <laughs> um, but just not like forget the schools, it's just the flip from I hate school to okay, this is actually something that's pretty cool, right? Um, so during my MBA, um, I had a lot of great mentors who were my professors at Baruch, mm -hmm. and I learned a lot from them, and you know, a lot of connections, and just being able to apply what you learn in school in the classroom practically right so we did a lot of like case studies we had to do like my capstone course was i had to do consulting for an actual firm so we went into a firm we spoke to them we figured out what their needs were we had a whole business plan outlined for them right um that was a lot of fun right and that was like something that i felt that that's something that i saw myself doing in a few years so i actually came across an opportunity that paulina actually forwarded over to me to be a ta at baruch um i went in applied for it they looked at my resume and I was in education for five, six years. I got my MBA from, just finished up my MBA from Baruch. And I'm like, hey, why don't you become an actual adjunct professor? And I was like, what's the difference? Like, as a TA, you work with a professor, right? Um, you don't get paid as much. So the difference was you get paid more and you command your own class. Okay, I've done that before, right? If I could do it at this level, that would be amazing. What's the time commitment? Three to five hours a week. Okay, I could definitely do that, right? Um, so it was a win-win in my perspective. So then, you know, I just signed on for that. Why do you think, for me being so close to you, why do you think your role there was so personally significant for me? I mean, we all, I mean, everyone's here because of Dr. Munsur Khan, right? So that was his passion, his vision. Um, and we are continuing to push forward with that even to this day, right? Um, him being, you know, a teacher he was an assistant principal he's in faculty a lot he was in faculty at NYU, like, yeah. Patterson College you start off at Doc University so 
I know that my dad watching from above, while you're teaching your classes, he's rooting you on. He's like, oh, snap. Someone's doing what I did 20, 25 years ago. I'm so proud. It's yeah. sake, or it's, it's moho. So I got to move her over to the consulting world a little bit mm -hmm. for culture. We, we've, we've, we, we recognize how important academia is to, to our, our team from our founder's story to all the stuff that I did in academics for my own self and, and through everything we're building at cons. Tell us about the culture and the consulting world for you now. Yep. And even some of our the peer, like the other organizations that your clients. Mm -hmm. This is what we're here to hear about. The corporate culture, not only in the consulting world, but for some of the companies yep. that you're hired to help. So if you want to break that down for the audience, yep. they're about to enter that space very soon, hopefully to work closely with your teammates. Yeah, so I mean, it was uh, definitely a culture shock leaving Constitutorial and moving into the corporate culture. Um, it's very, what would I, well, how would I describe it? So it's, it's a lot of independent work that I do. Um, our clients will give us certain tasks that we have to complete. And even though we're working in a team, each person is responsible for just one thing. And like, you just have to become an expert at that one thing, right? Um, and then you kind of come together and you go back to the client, like, this is what we're doing. Is this something that, you know, you envision your company doing in the future? Um, just going back and forth. While I was at Cons, it was more like we were, we were all interdependent. Everyone kind of like did a little bit of everything together, right? Um, when I was at the branch level, you worked with the managers, you know, you worked with your instructors and you worked with everyone. You, gotta, you kind of got a little bit of buy-in from everyone, right? Um, the flexibility isn't there in the corporate culture. Um, that's, that's one of the things that I really, really miss. Uh, what type of flexibility? Just like in terms of... Um, like, you know, my when I was at cons, my grandma got sick, right? And I was able to talk to Ivan. Just like the understanding of like, I guess, personal needs, the, the work-life balance definitely is. And I'm working to like eight, nine o'clock, like every night, right? Um, but, you know, the, the work is great. I enjoy it. But it's definitely taking a toll on my lifestyle because, you know, family is really big for me. I The more time I spend at work, the less time I'm spending with family. Um, I'll get home at like nine o'clock at night, go to sleep by like 10, 1030. I got to be up at six to go to work at seven. Right. Um, so that was one of the biggest, I guess, changes for me. But in terms of just the individuals like constitutorial versus outside, everyone's smart. Right. Everyone is always looking out for one another. Once you're on a team, you you want to make it work. Right. You want to make sure that your team is the best team that there is so that for cons, you know, you guys do well. You know, you get awards and you just. You just do amazing things for our kids. For me there, it's okay, we wanna win this client again. We wanna have, you know, take this project, use this as a basis for us to get more projects of the same sort, right? So you wanna build out the team there. And if you could just quickly give a little bit of insight into what it's like, because the consulting world is different from industries. Yeah. Slightly more flexibility, oftentimes more travel. Yeah. But in industries, whether it's insurance or healthcare or finance, you're reporting to the same job same place, we're the same organization. Yeah. What's that like for yeah. people in a big bank or some of your clients? Um, well, yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to go into consulting as opposed to industry, just because you get a broad exposure of everything. Um, right now I'm working in the financial services industry, but I've been doing work that can be, you know, for like insurance companies. I mean, can, we can use the work and translate that to a bunch of different industries. Um, I have friends that are in banking and finance, you know, it's very like you do the same thing over and over again. You're very good at one thing and that's it. 
right? You're very, very good at one thing and you just continue doing that one thing. If that's what you want, great. That right? would have bored you, Doug. Yeah, that would have bored, bored the hell out of you. Yeah, I know you. Definitely, that would have bored me. So, but for consulting, it's you take on one project, like you become an expert at that, you do it. Okay, you try to use the, the skills that you've learned here for a different project. And if you don't, fine, you become an expert at something else, right? Um, so just like being able to consistently learn, I think that's one of the biggest things um, I really enjoy about consulting. Like I had no idea what like design was. I didn't know like, UX, UI research and all that stuff. But now in my team, I'm one of like the leaders of, you know, I'm an expert in design, right? So it's cool that you're Maybe able to do stuff Maybe it's because you have all these unique experiences yeah. and you have like yeah. a, an There's outside perspective yeah. than some of the cookie cutter people before you yeah, on, yeah. in any team, Yeah, you know? I want to quickly go to our final break before we hit up our my favorite section, the culture section. And for a bonus uh, round, we're going to have some Q&A questions uh, for the final, before, after the final break. So let's hear it. First things first, recipe sucker fail. For real, you the only father that I ever knew. I get my pregnant, I'm going to be a better you. Prophecies that I made way back in the veil. Fulfilled. Listen, even back when we was broke, my team ill. Martin Luther King would have been on Dreamville. Talk to him. And welcome back to the Notre Girl Podcast. We are discussing workplace culture with Moho, a.k.a. Muhammad Hussain, a.k.a. Sakibaya, a.k.a. Moho312 on Instagram. <laughs> culture, culture, culture. We're talking about workplace culture, but let's move away to some more fun culture as well. What type of culture did you grow up on in the mid-90s in Jamaica, Queens? And how do you see that difference and your family and teammates after you, just like, what, what's the type of stuff you grew up on? Um, well, um, I don't know how to put this in a... So, yo, we can yeah. curse on this shit. No, no, no it's not good. I don't want to curse on this. Um, I mean, like, you know, growing up in a first-generation immigrant Bengali household, it's, it's very, very different from what my friends went through, what we all went through. And I, I'm sure some of you guys see that as well. I, like, it's, it's, it's different, right? It's a very, very different vibe. Um, we have certain values and norms that are kind of inherent within us because of the way we grew up. For me, I keep going back to this, it's family, right? Family is very, very important. Um, just, you know, like, in terms of culture, well, like, rocking Jordans. And like, I, I what, have, what, like, what did you like? What did you like? What kind of music? Like you like wrestling? You like football? You like yeah. basketball? What you like? Wrestling, you know, WWE, WWF back in the day. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed wrestling. You know, Stone Cold was my guy. Stone Cold? Uh, basketball, yeah. I watched NBA growing up when I was younger. Um, I don't know if you guys, you guys might be too young for this, but. You want to give me a Stone Cold Center? I could be Vince and you could be Stone Cold or we could reenact the whole shit. You know, basketball, football, I grew up on sports. Um, I grew up, you know, playing a lot of basketball, playing a lot of football, going to the park, um, riding my bike. Like that was like one of my favorite things to do when I was younger. Um, we did some like, you know, cool BMX stuff here and there. But, you know, it, it was it was fun. You know, we used to spend a lot of time outside. Definitely um, not as much time inside with social media with a lot like see very, my little cousins and my nephews and stuff now. Um, it was very we typical for back in the day. Yeah. Playing at the park, playing yeah. basketball, playing video games, yeah, we sleepovers. The park. Yeah, we the, the park home. was like the spot. Yeah, the park oh, was shit. the spot. So... Around culture, I'll, I'll go keep it real quick. You grew up a big fan of Kobe, the Lakers, Tom, Bra Tom Brady, Patriots, and Coach K. What aspects of the respective leadership culture do you promote the most yep. to all of us at cons? You got Kobe, yep. Brady, Belichick, Coach K. You just drop them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kobe and Brady are, like I guess, my two favorite players. Um, I think the thing that really defines 
them is their work ethic, which is kind of what I like to always take in, you know, myself. Um, Kobe, from when he was in high school, would always be, you know, practicing. He's the first one in, the last one out. He would play his teammates one on one after practices to a hundred. Right in high school, like I used to play ball. You know, all of you, a lot of you here probably played ball. Game You've eleven, game eleven, ball. yeah, I got game go. eleven, yeah, game twenty-one tops. Right, they used to play until a hundred. Right, so things like that, where like you're consistently improving upon yourself, even though you know you're already the best, you're still pushing forward. Right, same thing with Tom Brady. You know, his lifestyle is his lifestyle revolves around his game. Right, it, the mental planning, um, the ability to kind of take little steps here and there to you know, win the game at the end of the day, right? One of the biggest things about Tom Brady that I don't know if a lot of you know is, you know what the number 199 represents? Like whenever I put up Tom Brady memes or Tom Brady posts or anything about the Patriots, I always hashtag number 199. Does anyone know what that is? Six round pick. Six round pick, right? He was drafted at number 199 and he has six Super Bowl rings, right? What did he tell his owner? Huh? What did he tell his owner? The greatest move that the organization has ever made. Was to draft me at 199. Yeah, draft at 199. I think there was like 250 people in the draft, right? Um, so that was like the highlight of that draft, I think. I don't, know, I don't remember who else was. Uh, if it's the greatest quarterback ever, yeah. I think uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Sure. <laughs> right, so stuff like that. Like he was drafted at 199, little scrawny kid coming out of Michigan. Um, but he was able to continuously work on himself, push himself, work with the team, right? Work with the, the people around him to develop something that, you know, they've been able to win six Super Bowls, right? Um, so stuff like that. And that also goes back to the leadership because you look at Phil Jackson, you look at Coach K, you look at... Um, coaching, coaching. Yeah, coaching. Coaching, coaching is, is key. Bill Belichick actually in the in the Patriots locker room, he has like a like one little poster that's always there. And it's the battle. It's something like the battle is already won before you actually like fighting or something like that. I forgot, I forgot the exact term, but it's something along the lines of like the battle is already won before you actually fight, right? Um, it's in the preparation. It's in, you know, being mentally ready for it. It's in kind of being able to be overly prepared, but also able to adjust when you need to at the right moment, right? So Phil Jackson, Zen Master, um, Coach K, you know, for, for the coaches there, they all, like the coaches and the players are kind of like cut from the same cloth, in my opinion. Um, players, work ethic, coaches, the leadership. Coach K had this, term where it was just like the next play mentality which is kind of what i like like that's one of the things that i'm always um thinking about right so what is the what does the next play mentality mean it's whatever you've already done isn't as important as what you're doing right now right so taking the next step just being able to okay i did this already i'm going to take a little break and then i'm going to do something next right so whatever that next move is is defined by what you're doing currently at the moment right so that's one thing that I always think about. And like Coach K coined that. Phil Jackson talks about that. You know, Bill Belichick talks about that. The past before the past. The past before the instance. Yeah. Right. And it says, you've done it. Great. Now what's the next step? Right. Incredible. Incredible. Yo, we got to get together for some football. This, this uh, playoffs are coming on. I'm done with football this year. So We got this. I'm going to, for the final two questions, I'm going to talk about a theme that's been a big part of this training week. I want to ask you, how do you think young men can become stronger allies on the day-to-day for our sisters in the community? Um, I think just being able to be there for them and support them, right? Um, being, 
being being in a, an environment like Constitutorial, you know, you we do have a lot of communities where it becomes a problem if you're a girl in a leadership position, right? Um, but the main thing is what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're there, we're supporting, you know, whether I mean, it doesn't have to be female versus male, like we're just supporting each other, right? Any Being active steps? To, huh? Active steps? Active steps. When we're hanging out with the boys or when we're hanging out in groups together? Um... Uh, literally just like having their back you know if something something goes down um being able to support them but not like overstep yeah right because like you know everyone does the energy you can handle your own we know yeah. that right yeah. you guys are all here because you are strong you know independent individuals at constitutorial who have shown some sort of promise and you're ready to become the next leaders of constitutorial right so clearly you have that drive you have that strength in you to be able to like accomplish anything right so just based on that, I would say just like supporting one another, being there for one another and never using that as like an excuse. Like, oh, like he didn't do this because he's like this. Like, don't make any excuses. Right. Um, that's one of the things that I, I don't like. Like, you know, just making excuses. It's just like if something didn't happen, it didn't happen for a reason. Now, what's the next step? You just got to move past that. Right. I love it. I love it. Too often uh, young men and sometimes women, but, I, you know, like it, it's it's these it's easier to just blame something or cancel something and, and point the finger at, oh, that's why it didn't happen. Yeah. When you have that agency in yourself the whole time, dog. Like, why didn't you just do it, you know? Yeah. All right. Wait, before, the, before okay. we continue, I just want to, on that note, I want to give a quick shout out to my homegirls at Floral Park, because that... Yeah, that's what we're dominant things here. Huh? Yeah, Dean, right you got Zara, Kizra, yeah, Sabrina, yep. Namisha. Yeah. Again, the SAT GPA program out there. She's one of the fastest growing programs yep. across cons. The audience is a lot of questions ready. We got a rapid fire. But before that, my final question. Please share your favorite Dr. Khan story about my dad and why you chose that one to share today. Um, wow, there are a lot of Dr. Khan stories. Uh, some of them I can't really talk about here, but I talk about it offline. Um, I would say one of the things, so Dr. Khan was an amazing person. He was always super happy, super chill, super smiley all the time. And he would always push anyone to do better. Like no matter what, if you're just talking to him as a person, he would make you want to be a better person. This is, that's just how he is. That's the aura that he had, right? Um, but there was one time where I was actually really, really upset with him. Um, so we were, I was, I was at his house um, and we were doing SAT prep. And I've always been good at math and I really, really enjoyed math like all the time, like for SATs, like math has kept me alive like all these years, right? Um, and I, was, I used to be super cocky about that when I was in middle school, obviously, we were stupid middle schoolers. Um, so I would ask him to give me math problems and he would give me like 10 math problems, 15 minutes, do it. Eight minutes, nine minutes, done, all of them correct, right? Like, okay, give me more, give me more, literally just give me more, give me more. Got to the point where he was just, okay, do some reading comprehension. Like, no, I'll just do some math. Like, let me, let me perfect my math. You know, I was trying to be smart. Let me perfect my math so I can get the perfect 400 points there. And then I can worry about the reading later. So what he would do is he would well, always give me like mixed problems. But then he came up with this idea where, okay, we're not going to do any math. We're just going to do reading. I'm going to give you reading comprehension and scramble paragraphs. I hated scramble paragraphs, right? I hated reading comprehension, hated scramble paragraphs. He would give me one reading comprehension passage, finish all of them, get every single question correct, and then we'll move on to math, right? But you have to get every single question correct. So there was one particular day where I didn't like the fact that he would always do that. And I was telling him that I was all, I would always push back, but he told me that, hey, I'm gonna give you two sets of reading comprehension questions. You have to do them. If you get them all right, I'll never let you do reading comprehension again. All you're gonna do is math. All you're gonna do is math. 
And I was like, yo, definitely. If that's the case, like I'm going to, that's my goal, right? I'm going to set it at hundred percent. I'm going to do it. He takes out one of this, one of the reading comprehension passages from the uh, specialized high school's handbook. And I saw it and I was like, yo, this is too easy. Like I, I got this. I did it already. Knew all the answers, put them all down. Then the second one, he goes over to his bookshelf. He brings out an SAT passage mm-hmm. and he's like, here, do this. I look at it and I'm just like, that's not fair. You can't give me that. It's not sci high. He's like, I never said it had to be sci high. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you told me that I have to get them all right. I'm not going to get all these right. And he's like, so you don't know it. If you were if you were confident in your abilities to do reading comprehension, this shouldn't be a problem for you. Right. And I was just like, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> I, like, I got so mad. But then, you know, like. After I got in, spoke to him, and he's just like, you know, remember that day? Like, I don't think anyone, I don't even know if he told me. This is the first time I'm hearing that uh, story. My dad never told me that story, neither did Maho, and I'm going to remember it forever. It's it's something like, you know, he was able to push me. Like, I really, I I really was like mad at him that day, and I was like, yo, I don't want to do this. Like, this is after school, test prep. Like, nobody wants to do test prep, but he played me, right? He totally, (laughs) completely played me because. When he told me that all I had to do was this, I got this. I don't need to worry about this anymore. And I was super excited. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, life throws you curveballs. You just got to deal with it. I'm for the sake of he was, transparency. He was good at ego checking. He yeah, had, no, a, lot he of, he had a lot of practice oh, yeah. with me. Yeah. And and then with you and yeah. all of us at cons. And I think that taught. And I'm looking at some of our friends here. Yeah. We all know what it's like when you get mad, and none of us wants that, right? So, can I give one warm round KT applause for coming to you? We have eight, nine minutes for Q&A, because it's a tight stop at 11.58. So, uh, please raise your hand, and I'll call on any one of our audience members for the first set of questions. Go ahead. With Khan's new mission statements, how do you feel about the direction that the team is headed in? Um, I definitely think that we're headed in the right direction, right? Um, being able to kind of outline exactly what we do, exactly what concentrate. Before it was educate for life, that could be very broad, right? Now that we have very specific things that this is what we are doing for our community, and this is what we're doing for our people, right? As long as we stay true to that, and you guys stay true to that, and you continue to push that agenda forward, I think we're definitely headed in the right direction. Next question, please. This is Yamama. Yeah, we got eight, nine minutes. Guys, I'll come up with questions, please. Um, you talked a lot about how your family was important for your sense of culture, but how did it play into your sense of identity? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I'm I'm always family first. So in terms of my sense of identity, you know, I'm I'm a I am a first generation Bengali immigrant, and that's always who I will be. Um, you know, everyone has their own obstacles. I have my personal obstacles. Just being able to get through that, like I hold that very near and dear. Um, everything I do is for my family, right? At the end of the day, like I could be, you know, making a whole bunch of money right now, but what I want to do is I want to make sure my family's good first and foremost before anything. Next question. I'll start with you, Tasmia. Yeah. Um, so, um, I was just wondering, uh, you talked about a lot about your culture and how it defined who you are. I was just wondering when you went from consultorial, then you went from teaching a hunter where like it's like very diverse there right and then you went to a consulting firm how did you bring your culture how did like how did it shape you and shape others of your of your team like in that like moment when you went to the uh, consulting firm right so 
Um, well, I guess one of the things is I'm very like I'm pretty outspoken, right? And I I feel like I always, no matter where I am, always want to be a mentor to people, and I always want to like teach you something. I always want to teach people something new. I bring that into the consulting job as well, um, where like I've worked with people where they're just like, you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to teach it to me. I, I, I you, you you can take care of it, but like I feel like it's good for you to know, right? So in terms of just like being able to teach something new. Even with my friends, I'm always trying to like everything I learn. I'm like, hey, did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know that? I'm always trying to like spread the knowledge, right? Um, I think that's something that's core in me, and that's also something that I learned, built, and it was instilled in me at Constitutorial. Because, like I mentioned before, when Dr. Monsur Khan left teaching me and Dr. Ivan Khan took over, it was a seamless transition, right? So for me, like I want that seamless transition for anyone to be like. You learn something new, and it's not hard to learn something new, right? So people actually like when I was at at um, at a Baruch teaching, they would say that they would say the same thing. Like, okay, we don't need to know this, but you know, it's good to know. Like, I want you to learn it. It's this easy to learn. I want to make that point, right? Um, and I feel like people make fun of me for that because they're like, oh, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that, and they're always telling, they're always calling me the professor, um, which you know, I'm a professor, so. Um, it's, it's a funny joke, but at the end of the day, like, I don't care because if I'm teaching you something new, like, that's good for you at the end, right? I saw a hand up over here, Mara. Yeah. We'll come back to this side of the room after that. So, I do work at OP currently, and I know you worked at OP yep. before, and I wanted to ask you, during your time there, which was around what year? Like 2012? 2012. A long time ago. So... Back then, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was I know. one positive and one negative experience at OP, and how did you deal with the negative experience? Mm. Um, well, positive. I mean, in terms of what, like working like, at constitutorial yeah, like, or like the community. The community. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, like the negative <laughs> is convincing people that education is good, convincing students that education, even convincing like parents that education is good, was a, a challenge for us because. Once we were tutoring all these kids, Rivo and I had to literally sit down and tell them like, okay, we should go to, you should apply to Stuyvesant, you should apply to Brooklyn Tech, you should go here and there. They just wanted their kids to do well, like for the sake of doing well, right? Um, we had to sit down with them and literally like, almost like beg them to put like, you know, Sty first. Like, no, we're okay with Brooklyn Land. Like, we'll just go there. Like, your child has a shot at this, right? That was one of the biggest challenges that we've had. Um, so just being able to convert, you know, people from hating academics to liking academics um, was one of the, uh, I guess, the, the, the negative challenge. Oh, it, was a, it was a challenge, yeah. In terms of positives, you know, the community there, they're um, super close-knit, right? Where it's like leading off from what I said before, like if you get one person in the family to kind of learn and understand that, okay, this is important, they will go tell everybody else, right? So the network is there, and then you'll see like, we'll get one kid doing well on a diag, and then like five of their cousins show up and like, hey, I want this for my family as well. So they understand, once you get them to understand the value of education or the value of something positive, they spread that amongst the community and then it can impact a lot more people, right? And that's what I really enjoy too. Great question. Yeah, we got time for two more questions. Ishak, and we'll we'll wrap it up with uh, the final, final one. Yeah. So you mentioned like your busy schedule before where you had to balance work and then your family life. How did you find time to prioritize yourself every now and then? And was it difficult for you to say that you needed time for yourself every now and then? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. Um, I always try to find, so I don't think I ever have like time for myself, right? It's always like 
<laughs> time for myself means just me hanging out with my friends, right? That that's what that's what it's always always is. Um, I like to keep everything super balanced. Like when I was doing my MBA, I was working at cons from nine to five, doing my classes from five to nine every single day of the week, right? Saturdays I was working at KT. Sundays were my days off. Um, Sundays I would watch football, right? I would go out with my family Saturday night. Um, I always tried to do something every single week, whether it's just like, let's go play pool, let's go bowling, let's go just chill, let's go to the park, let's go eat food. Um, I eat a lot of food outside. I love like dining out. Um, my friends can attest to that. My Instagram can attest to that. Um, but just being able to like spend time with people, I feel like helps me like remain sane, right? Even if it's like at work, you know, like we have like a long day at work. Ivan and I will just sit down and we'll like talk about basketball, talk about football and that like calms me down like that. That, that, that That's what I need, right? In terms of me just having time for myself, I don't really think I like actively try to seek that out because I feel like when I'm by myself, I'm really bored, right? And I don't like just sitting around. I don't like sleeping. I don't like just sitting around, right? I like doing stuff and like being active, um, prioritizing things and just, okay, I'm going to do this today and then this tomorrow and then this tomorrow. I have three things to do today. I like plan it out according to so I could do everything. I have serious FOMO, right? But um, yeah, I guess when I'm around people, it's just, I could be talking to someone about work and then we should shift to basketball. Then that's like me time, right? I know we have a lot of questions in the audience, but I want to be respectful of our guest's uh, schedule. I know he has a 12 o'clock call. Uh, so the whole reason that we started Know to Grow was to ensure rising leaders like Muhammad Hussain right next to me, or whether it's Catalina Cruz, the first dreamer elected assembly, or it's your favorite uh, aspiring singer and hip hop artist that's on the come up. We wanna ensure that communities of color like ourselves have our own voices. So I'm incredibly grateful to our friend, confidant, mentor to me, um, just like great friend, a, a brother to all of us. So on that note, please, uh, if you're listening to the Notre Group podcast, you know, give the ratings and make sure to tell your friends about it if you learn something about it. And no matter what, Always, always, always remember to pay it forward, folks. Pay it forward.